Well, if you want to open up your Bibles, we're going to look briefly uh, at Romans 8. I'm sorry, Romans 1, 18 through 25 tonight. Uh, and that's really going to be kind of just kind of a, a text that kind of guides our conversation. Again, this isn't going to be an exegetical um, study, really. It's very topical if you haven't figured that out, if you're here for the first time or um, haven't really been paying attention um, for the first, what, six weeks. Um, this is more of a, a topical study, um, but I think it's a really good one. Obviously, it's very, 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 very relevant um, to our culture, um, just because technology is such a big part Oh, we do. But this week we are talking about um, worship and idolatry. So the, if you're re- taking notes or, or mental notes, um, the title for this, this chapter was Reclaiming Worship, um, the Struggle with Idolatry. Um, so brief, quick disclaimer about this study. What I'm not trying to do tonight is just to bash technology and make you think, Man, I make technology like this huge idol in my life. That's not my goal. Um, my goal tonight is for us just to consider how technology can relate very easily and, and very um, strongly, I think, to idolatry um, in our lives and how, by God's grace, we can both redeem technology and resist um, it becoming an idol in our lives. And we're going we're to flesh out what worship and what idolatry mean and all that. But what, when you hear the word worship, uh, what, what's the first thing that comes to mind? Music. Music, yeah. think definitely in the, in the church culture and everything, usually when we're, we throw out the worship word, that's referring to the music aspect of services and stuff. What else? Or how would you define worship? Maybe another question, another way to answer that. I usually think of like corporate worship, so like other people are there with me. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. There's definitely a an, kind of this, this idea of a, of a service, of um, coming together and doing something directed towards God, right? That, that would be a very easily um, way to, to, to kind of look at worship. Um, anybody else? Yeah, absolutely. So kind of aiming our, our focus and our hearts, like you said, towards the Lord. So that can be listening to music in your car or praying or, like you said, reading your Bible or whatever. Absolutely. Other, idea, other thoughts or ways that you would personally define what worship is? Everybody stole your answers already? Well, if no one else has any thoughts and everything... Here's kind of what I think. When we, when we think of worship, um, it's a good thing, uh, I think, that we automatically start thinking, um, you know, church and worship and music and in um, a corporate aspect. All those things are right. But for, you know, for the person who's not uh, a Westerner or not even an American or not grown up in, in a church environment in their home or, or whatever, worship may look a lot different. Um, and, you know, you go across seas, um, I had the privilege of going to London um, back in 2013, and uh, we went to a little area in London that you stepped off the, the bus that we rode out there, and I mean, it was like you were stepping into uh, a Middle Eastern country. There was a Sikh temple, there was a um, Hindu temple, and there was a Muslim mosque 
all within like just a couple of blocks that you could walk to and everything. And so worship in those things, you know, that may mean worshiping a God um, in, in some faith, and then it may be worshiping many gods. And, and actually, I, I bring up the Hindu because um, that leads straight into this kind of idolatry. And usually, um, when we think about idols, and so we're going to talk about that and everything, we think more along those lines. But before we move on to that, I kind of want to just give you a working definition of what um, we're talking about worship um, and kind of when we talk about that tonight, kind of how I'm going to use that so you understand what I'm referring to. But really, worship, it really goes beyond just, um, it, it, and we'll see it shouldn't, but it really goes beyond um, just turning our hearts, like Hannah was saying, towards God. And it, it really can be us turning our hearts towards anything. Um, in a in a way that we over desire um, something and we desire something beyond what it was meant to be by God's design, and so I just wrote out a kind of a an easy, simple, hopefully um, working definition. But worship really has to do with three things. It has to do with our affection for something. It has to do with our obedience to that thing, and it has to do with our celebration of that thing. So we're looking at affection, obedience, and celebration. Um, affection for or our obedience to and our celebration of something. And so when we think about that, um, that can help us kind of see how worship um, happens a lot in our lives probably outside of just a, a church context, even as Christians. Uh, and we'll, we'll talk more about that. But Moving from worship and moving more into the idolatry and idol, what comes to your mind when you hear the word idol? I mean, first thing that comes to your mind. Yeah, a little gold man. I made a little Buddha statue, a little belly, um, right? Um, Or like, I sometimes think of like, you know, again, when I went to that Hindu temple, um, it was was crazy because, I mean, they have idols and there's people coming into this temple... it, it was weird because I went and we went in all three places and that temple, there was just a heavy, heavy presence in there that I didn't feel in the other place. The, the mosque was just dead. Like there was nothing. It was just dead and dry and nothing. The, the Hindu temple had a heavy presence, which I mean, I would believe was demonic um, in association with these idols. People were literally bringing fruit and laying them at the feet of these white, like they look kind of like um, ivory. I don't think they were actual ivory. They might have been. Um, but basically ivory cut out statues of these gods. And there were probably about 12 or 15 in this temple um, that were the, the highlighted gods in that temple. And it was just, man, it was, it was crazy. Because, I mean, you think, oh, yeah, back in the day, back when Israel in the Old Testament... Back when they were around, you know, they had the golden calf, and that may be another thing that comes into your mind, and you think bowing down. That, people don't do that today, but they, they do. It's, it's still very common, and actually even in the United States, um, there's places. But that was in, in London, of all places. I mean, I think London, I think Big Ben, you know, the, the Ive and everything, the big Ferris wheel and stuff like that. Um, but here, here I was in London, and Hindu temple, people bringing fruit offerings to a statue. It's just kind of weird, right? And so when we, when we think about idolatry, I think probably for a lot of us that comes to mind. But is anything else come to mind when you hear that word idolatry or idol? American idol? <laughs> golden calf, yeah. Yeah, 
Someone you look up to? Yeah, that's a that's a common use for that word, especially today, I think. Anything else? What is it? Your work? Yeah, okay, all right, yeah. Yeah. For sure. I think of like something that we're giving control to. Mm. I like that, yeah. Good thoughts? I like to hear what y'all think and not just. I like to hear myself talk. Don't get, get me wrong. No. But uh, any other thoughts? Idle. Well, I went to uh, went to a man much smarter than me for uh, for this, and so I, I went to uh, Timothy Keller's uh, Counterfeit Gods to kind of get a, a a definition for this. Um, and if you haven't read that book, I'm going to plug that book hard because it is awesome. And obviously, we're doing kind of a thirty thousand foot view right now, very broad. What is an idol? What is worship? We're going to narrow it down to you know how that relates to technology. If you're looking at your outline, um, but he does a great job of just showing how easily idolatry can really creep into our lives when we not even realize it. I'm um, in that book, and if you're a reader I, and have not read that book, I highly recommend that book. Before we jump to what Timmy Keller says, let's look at what um, Paul wrote um, in the book of Romans, and uh, I'm just going to read verses. Um, I said chapter one, verses 18 through 25, and um, I think this really kind of captures the heart of God's view towards idolatry um, and, and that specific sin. And if you go on and read to the end of the chapter, you see how really the, this whole idea of idolatry, and while we're, we're spending a week talking about it, while I think it's very important that we talk about this topic um, related to technology, but otherwise also, is really because it's a huge deal to God. I think that should mean it should be a huge deal to us as well. Um, and, and I think Romans chapter 1 shows how big of an impact it has um, on our lives when we start allowing things to kind of come in as these idols. And so we pick up Romans chapter 1, verse 18, and Paul says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness, and I think this is a key part of this, suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world, in the things that have been made, so that they are without excuse." And here we go in verse 21. This is going to be kind of a key verse for tonight. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. But they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools. And they exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore, God gave them up in the lust of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creator, I'm sorry, the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. So some pretty heavy stuff there that Paul, you know, kind of blasts the 
church at Rome with. It's like, chapter one, I've never met you guys. The wrath of God is revealed. Um, it's like, wow, Paul, you don't waste any time, buddy. Um, but there's a reason for that. And that's where the gospel begins. And we have to understand that and all. And we could talk about sin. Um, but specifically, we want to talk about the sin of idolatry. And it really begins there um, with a, an exchange. That word's used twice in the verses we read. It's um, used again um, in verse where is it? Verse 26, if you continue reading. Um, and three times there's the word exchange. And then three times in this passage, 18 through verse 32, um, it says God gave them up. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that um, later on. But this idea of exchanging something. So we have God. We have everything that we has, has been revealed in creation about God. And yet there's still this exchange happening of something else takes kind of priority. Something else comes in and, and steals our focus away. Something else comes in to satisfy us, or at least we think it will. And, and we're seeing that God's wrath is actually revealed in that he allows that exchange to happen, um, which is kind of scary. Um, and, and again, we're going we're gonna to flesh that out again more. But before I get ahead of myself... Um, Here's what Timothy Keller says. There's three little quotes I want to drop on you. Um, and again, there's so many more that I could have used and I wanted to use, but I couldn't just sit here and read the whole book to you. So you should go do that on your own. Um, I really love this book, just mainly because it was super convicting to me when I read it. Um, and I try to go back and read it or at least look at stuff that I underlined um, often just because I, I saw it revealed so much to me about how um, if you quote John Calvin, I believe is who is attributed to, saying our hearts are, are idle factories. <laughs> um, they're idle factories. They will take anything and, and turn it into an idol. And what Timothy Keller says is he says, an idol is something that we look to for things that only God can give. It's something we look to for things that only God can give. Whether that be happiness, which, again, that's kind of a, a relative thing, but joy, peace, comfort. We're going to talk about those more in a, in a real way. But it, we look to it to provide for us things that only God can provide for us. Um, so that's one way you can define it. Another way that I thought was very clear, uh, and maybe hopefully one of these will, will connect well with you, uh, is an idol is whatever you look at and say in your heart of hearts, if I have that then I'll feel significant. I'll feel secure. Something we look at and we look at it and we're like, man, if I could just have that, it doesn't have to be like, again, we're not talking about just necessarily a a tangible object. It could be a relationship. It could be just the way you feel about yourself. Um, It could be the way you, you know, you get along, again, like a relationship with someone. Lots of things that aren't necessarily tangible, but if you could just have that, then basically life would, would be what it's supposed to be. And then the third thing he says, um, and not defining an idol, but kind of just helping us to understand what an idol can be in our lives, is he says the human heart takes good things, good things, like successful care, a successful career, love, material possessions, even family, and turns them into ultimate things. Takes good things. I've heard somebody say it's kind of cheesy, but... We all are used to hearing cheesy stuff. You hang around church long enough. I'm just kidding. Um, it, it, you remember it, right? It, it's funny. You laugh a little bit. You remember it. But taking good things and making them God with a capital G things. 
In other words, taking something that God has given that is good and making it into the God of your life, where your whole life and your whole existence kind of revolve around this thing. Um, And sometimes that's not as easy to see as we might think it is. But it's taking good things and making them ultimate things. And honestly, Keller goes on to say in his book and everything, I totally agree. I think it would be very true that it is usually the good things that we make into idols in our lives because they are good. But we take them and we make them more. And that, that's where that kind of over-desiring something, desiring something or, or lifting up something beyond what it was created for. And that's where you see in Romans something that was exchanged. There's that exchange made. The creature took the place of the creator. Um, and again, the creature, you could say the created by man or by God, the created thing. Um, but there's a, there's a cool story that, that um, I'm, I promise I'm not going to teach from counterfeit gods. I'm actually going to teach from uh, struggles a little bit too. But um, there's a story in uh, the book, Hashtag Struggles, I thought was really compelling. And uh, Craig Rochelle wrote the book and everything. He was talking about a friend of his who went over to India. And while he was in India, he saw a lady who was actually sacrificing a chicken over there. So she's like um, killing the thing. Like, I don't know if she's plucking the feathers, but she's, he's, it's very clear to him that she is making a sacrifice to some God that she's worshiping. And at first he's like completely turned off. He's like, oh my gosh, I cannot believe people are so archaic and so just, um, just out of date that they would still be doing this anywhere in the world. And um, he's like, she's probably just some, you know, he, you know basically heathen. And, and he goes up and starts talking to her, though, and finds out she's actually very, very intelligent, um, very well-spoken, speaks English, um, and is actually just a few years before had visited New York City in America. And so he's going to strike up a conversation. He's like, oh, what did you think, you know, when you came to America and everything? And she's like, basically, she said she hated it. And he's like, wow, like, like, how could, what, what did you hate about it so much? And she basically went on to tell him that it was the biggest and most obvious display of idolatry she had ever seen in her life. Coming from someone who's sacrificing a chicken, mind you. And he's like, wow, ooh, explain more to me. And she said, well, there was really three things that stuck out to her. Um, she said, the first one, she said, um, stomachs or food is what she went on to say. She said, y'all have um, plenty of things to eat. It's clear you don't have any food. And then you have these, these huge storehouses of food where you can go buy more food than you could ever need or that you could ever sell. Um, and so she's like, that, that's not, and again, coming from India, there's people starving over there. So she said that was the first thing. The second thing she said, and these are where it kind of zeroes in on what we're talking about tonight, um, why I want to focus on them. She said TVs. She said if you go in just about any American home, any, every home I went in, Everything in the main room was all set up around where the TV was. Pretty clear, she said, that you worship your TVs. Um, Americans worship their TVs. She said, beyond that, she was even more disgusted the fact that people actually had them in their bedrooms. Um, So she said, clearly that's an idol. And then she said the third thing, and this is probably one we we would see coming, is phones. She said... Everybody's, nobody can even like look up and pay attention to other people because they're so busy looking at what's going on on their phones. And you can't even have a full conversation without it being interrupted by some 
notification that's obviously more important than the person that's standing across from me. I know we've talked about that some, but I just thought it was super convicting to think about. And I was like, and as the guy that, <laughs> that um, Craig Rochelle's friend was also saying, it's like, I, he couldn't argue with her. It's like, yeah, you're right. But what I like about that too is I think those are some things that show us how subtle these idols can creep into our lives with us not even really recognizing them. I would never would have thought about um, had I not heard it mentioned by other people as well, the thing about the TVs never would have, never would have occurred to me. Um, and so things like that can easily just slip in and creep in in our culture, and, and we just kind of remain blind to them. It's not that we're like are, are trying to hide that they exist, that we just don't notice them because they're, they're so common. And so that's why I think talking about how idolatry and technology really can um, be something that benefits us moving forward as we seek to be followers of Jesus um, more and more each day in our lives. Um, But I want to make one last comment before we move to the second point, and that is this. You may be sitting there thinking, you know, there's nothing like that. I don't, I don't, you know, I'm not attached to my phone to that extent. You know, I can't, you know, if I was thinking about that, technology is not a God. I mean, I really don't have anything that I worship. I mean, when I'm truly worshiping, the only thing I really focus on like that um, is the Lord and everything. And and here's the, the sad reality that I had to come to and that Colby and others that are uh, mentors of mine kind of helped me to come to realize is that even if you've ever just been tempted to think something like, if I could just have fill in the blank, fill in the blank, I would be happy and fulfilled and everything about my life would be right, then whatever that thing in the blank was, that either could be or has become an idol for you. Even if you're ever tempted to think that, that's how easily our hearts are led astray, uh, which is why we, we need to constantly come back and remind ourselves of God's grace and why we are so in need of it. Because even very things like just thinking, man, it, it, it just right now, if I could just get a little bit more sleep right now, that's convicting to me. I like to sleep. I like it. And some days I'm like, man, I just, what I need in my life right now is a nap. That's what I need. And everything would be okay about the rest of this day. I mean, again, I'm not bowing down, worshiping. I'm not, but it consumes my thoughts for a while. If I'm tired and I'm wanting to go take a nap, it consumes my thoughts in a way that's not going to be healthy for me, especially if it goes on for a long time. And anything can creep in and do that. So, how, though, does this relate to technology? Thank you for asking. We're going to talk about it. So, what, what we want to do is we want to think about, inter- think about this in terms of how technology receives affection or obedience or celebration. Um, you could even say just attention. Um, in our culture. So how would you say, if, if somebody was coming out to you, well, how really does idolatry and technology, how do those even, how are those compatible, how do those, you know, even relate to one another? What would you say? How do those two things relate? And I kind of already gave you a couple of hints with the lady from India, but... Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. 
That's, I mean, that's a, that's a big deal. Yeah. 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 It's good. Those are really good. Other thoughts? Other thoughts? No. No. Again, y'all know I'll talk. You have to speak while you have a chance to. I'm gonna move on. Um, well, I think there's. I. I you know. I know Kyle likes alliteration, and we're in a Baptist church, so if I taught a lesson and didn't do alliteration, I'd probably get, like, fired or something. So I'm going to give you all four Ds um, of how uh, technology and idolatry relate to one another. And the first one is distraction. Um, Technology so easily distracts us from God, from others, from really anything (laughs) that's going on. Um, and it's, it's, of course, it, it all got worse about 10 years ago when the I, first iPhone came out and we had the internet in our pockets. Um, and I know not, obviously not everybody had one right when it came out, um, but that's when, it all, that's when it all really happened. And, and since then, and I know y'all have talked about this the last six weeks, so y'all have, y'all have beat this horse to death. I'm just going to beat it a couple more times. But since then, the way our culture is just, the way it is, is changed so drastically in the t- last 10 years. Because, I mean... When I was growing up, I mean, my parents, I think I was probably, gosh, I'm going to date myself a little bit, but um, I was probably at least 10 before my parents had their first cell phone. And I mean, it's just, and the, the texting, what is texting? Like that, that wasn't even a, a thing. And the thought of having the internet, I mean, we're, we're doing, like dial up. If you, if you ever had, gosh, it's, that's like the worst noise on the planet, like, Gosh, it's like worse than like throwing a cat in a dishwasher. It's terrible. Um, I'm only speaking from one experience. Just kidding. Um, but, but seriously, I mean, it's just like, it's so different from what it was even like, I mean, just in the life, lifetime of some of y'all um, that are, you know, freshmen and maybe even some sophomores in here, like within your lifetime, culture has completely been redefined by the internet. It's crazy. It's crazy. And I mean, I had a couple years ago when I didn't have my um, phone for a few days because it got into a fight with the Okoe and the Okoe won. And so um, I didn't have a phone. And it was weird. Gosh, it was weird. And it was really kind of cool at the same time because I was like, man, I ain't got to worry about nothing. Nobody can get a hold of me. Nobody has to, I mean, I'm not getting, I had like 400 Facebook notifications when I got like my phone back four days later. I was like, golly. But distractions, again, I get distracted easily. I'm ADD. Um, and so technology can be a huge distraction for me. Um, just think about, and again, these are going to be some kind of going back into some of the weeks before, but about conversations um, that you're having with people. Um, you're, you're talking with someone right there across from you and you get a phone, something on your phone and there it is. And I'm guilty and I've tried to, to do a lot better job of being present with the people that I'm present with. Um, but it's hard because again, there's that fear of missing out. What if I, what if I don't get to a text message soon enough to know what's going on and I miss out on something? Um, it can literally um, just constantly demand our attention um, and, and really our obedience. Um, 
when we when we get to that point where it, you know something goes off in our in our pocket in our phone, we hear it across the room, whatever, and we have that compulsion to go immediately to it, it's really kind of enslaving us and mastering us in a way that it's not being useful to us, but we're being used by it almost. <laughs> Which you know artificial intelligence thing going on here, um, but. It's kind of crazy to think about, and it's not something I think we typically do. I don't. But again, it can easily be a distraction to us. I mean, think about how many notifications you, you would get in a day. Anybody ever counted? I'm, I'm afraid to. Like, if I were to have all my apps and everything, like, how many notifications I would get in one day. Somebody should do it sometime and, and get back to me. Um, but beyond that, oftentimes, just your phone sitting somewhere where you can see it is a distraction. Anybody just check their time constantly when their phone's out? Go ahead and be honest. Y'all know you do it. I do it too. I do it too. Or think about this. We'll look at our phone, um, again, even when there's not a notification, and just because that's what we do. And that kind of goes into our next point of it's, the second D is it's default. So we have distraction, and then we have default. You feeling awkward. You're um, staying around waiting on something. Anybody ride the Crimson Rod? Or you still nobody ride that thing? Um, they, they put it in when I was at school and I was just like, why? I'm like, I, I never wrote it, but that's okay. If you write it, I'm, I'm glad that somebody's getting use of it because I, nobody ever wrote it when I was there. Everybody was like scared of it. Cause I think it was cause it was always late. But, but anyway, yeah, think about this. You're, you're waiting on something. Um, and what do you, you, what is your default thing to do if you're, you don't have anything going on really? Pull out your phone, right? You've got hundreds of different options of things you can do. You can go to social media. Multiple outlets there. You've got games. You can check the weather. Um, when you get old, which I'm not there yet because I don't do this, but you can check stocks. I mean, there's all sorts of stuff that you can do. That was an example in the book. That's why I'm like, right, I got to throw it out there. Um, but you can do all sorts of stuff like that um, on your phone. And it's just kind of what we go to because it's so easily accessible. It's just our default we go to, especially our phones. Um, and if we just have a few seconds of aisle time, Colby and I were talking about this earlier this afternoon. He said, I caught myself checking um, Facebook at, the, at a red light the other day. He's like, like, what is wrong with me? Like, I mean, and, and if y'all know Colby, Colby is not like this person who just sucked in on social media. He and I are both terrible about even checking our social media um, and much less posting on it. But he's like, I'm sitting at a red light and I'm sitting there checking. I think it was actually Instagram. But he said, I'm sitting there and I'm like, he's like, what is wrong with me? Can I not just sit for a second? But that's really kind of the, the way our, our culture is gone. We can't just sit and be still anymore. We have to be doing something. And, and technology is a big part of that. Um, it used to be that people would, you know, have conversations. Now you see people, if, if, if you don't really know somebody, even sometimes when you do know people well, you'll be you'll sitting again around the room. And y'all probably talked about this with um, relationships the, that week. But everybody's sitting around the room and they're talking um, to someone maybe on their phone or connecting somehow with someone on the phone and not connecting really in any way except for breathing the same air as the people around them. Um, and so our default is to go to that screen. Um, and, and these kind of build on each other. But again, looking at Facebook while you're sitting in a red light, I mean, golly. Um, or maybe you're scrolling through Instagram for the fifth time in the last hour um, and you know nobody else has posted anything because every time you refresh it, it's the exact same thing. But you're just mindlessly kind of doing it, um, hitting that refresh button. Um, and again, like, who um, was it? Uh, it was uh, Michaela that said, 
Um, it's the first thing in the morning most of us probably look at, and probably the last thing at night. And when we were at, at Passion, I know some of y'all got to go with us to that trip and everything, um, in the leader's time, he talked about how <laughs> the guy that was doing the, our little breakout session, our family group time, he said, you know, 2007, the iPhone came out. He's like, I wonder how many prayers were lost in the last 10 years because of the iPhone. Because people no longer, the first thing they got get up in the morning, their default was no longer to thank the Lord for the day. And before they went to bed, their default was no longer thank God for getting them through a day uh, and thanking him for the blessings throughout that day. It was check my phone, check my phone, wake up, go to bed. Um, it, it, and man, that, that hit home. I was like, golly, I wouldn't even thought about that. But it's just so ingrained, it becomes our default. So that's the second D. The third D is door. Um, and originally I had gateway. Colby helped me come up with a D. Um, but technology um, can really be a door or a gateway to other sins. <laughs> Think about it. Um, all of what we've talk, y'all talked about the last six weeks. We talked about discontentment and covetousness. Um, talking about b- having broken relationships, shallow relationships, non-existent human-to-human without going through a screen relationships. Um, talked about inauthenticity. Talked about not having compassion, lust, pride, greed, self-sufficiency. Really, you can go on and on and on and on at the doorway that, that, that technology has opened to all these other sins. And anything that leads us away from God is sinful and, and idolatrous. <laughs> Anything that takes our gaze and our focus off of Jesus Christ onto something else. And again, I'm not, I'm not bashing and saying, oh, you never need to look at your phone because it's taking your gaze off Jesus. That's not what I'm saying. Uh, I'm not saying don't go watch a football game because you could be reading your Bible. Um, that's, that's not the point. Um, the point is things very easily become ultimate things in our lives when they really were just meant to be good things that God blessed us with. So that's, that's number three. Then the fourth one, a fourth D, is dependence. And I think this one is really kind of the biggest one. Um, it's because we become so dependent on technology um, that it becomes what we look to when we need something. And I think this goes back to kind of Keller's first quote about how we look to an idol to give us something that only God can give us. Um, think about this. You're looking for affirmation. You're looking to, to feel significant in your life. And so you post a selfie on Instagram. Um, and then you go back and you check it every 30 seconds to see who's liked it. Um, and I'm speaking of stuff I've done before, um, shamefully saying so. But things like that. I mean, we, we, look for, we want affirmation. We want to feel good about ourselves. We go do that. And that's, again, that's reaching back to weeks gone by. But it's, it's really so true. And I, I was reading in the book that he has, um, at the beginning of each chapter, he has some different kind of testimonies from anonymous people that just gives their first name um, that Craig Rochelle has talked to about stuff. And one of the things that one of the person talked about is she said, um, I am just addicted to the point where I will post a picture and then constantly hit refresh to see who's done it, to see who's come and liked it or commented on it. And if I don't get at least 20 likes... And then the first hour, I'll take it down. And you may be thinking, gosh, that's ridiculous. Like, what's wrong with her? But the heart, I think, can be there for some of us, even if our, our actions aren't quite to that extent. 
um, we become very dependent on it so that we go to it to look to it to provide what we're looking for, what we feel like we need. Um, we're looking for peace in a difficult situation, so we distract ourselves by binge-watching a show on Netflix. Done it. Done it. <laughs> Didn't want to face reality. Go, go. Let's go plug up the office. Let's go. Um, watch the whole season one night. Um, that's so terrible. Um, but, I mean, seriously, um, we're sad and seeking joy, and so we look at things we like on Pinterest. Um, I mean, it, it can go on and on and on. But again, it goes back to that. We, we're looking to it to provide something that only God can give us. And that's an idol. It's an idol, plain and simple. So that, that we can see from those four, and we could go on and talk about more things. But I think those things kind of summarize pretty, pretty clearly how idolatry and technology can kind of work together um, against us. So the question then we have to ask and answer is how can I in my life redeem technology and resist idolizing it. How can we do that? Um, and I think there's, there's four things I want us to look at here. Um, and uh, there's no alliteration here, so sorry. You can make up your own if you'd like, if that makes you feel better about it. But um, the first thing I think is to be thankful for the use of technology um, rather than just taking it for granted. It's so common and so easily accessible. <laughs> I think it's very easy to forget, like, how awesome a thing it is and appreciating it in a good and healthy way. Um, now, going to Haiti a few years ago, like the, 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 they could take a picture of themselves right there and see it and look through it was just mind-blowing to them. I mean, people, some people post like 17 f- selfies a day, like, and those people I unfollow. Um, but... <laughs> but I mean, it's, it's crazy to them, and, and it's not just like that in Haiti. It's other places like that, too. We are, we are blessed to have the technology we do and all the, things, all the good things that can come from technology. It's, technology is a good thing. We just make it into something that it was never supposed to be. Um, and so think about how you would act and function without your phone. We talked about that a little bit. Think about how you would act and function and feel without Internet access especially when you needed it for something. It could be school. It could be something just because you want to get on the Internet. Um, maybe you're streaming a, a sports game. I, I don't know. Or think about how you would act and function without your GPS. Oh, my word. How did people ever find places before you had a GPS on your phone? Like, are you, like, sitting there with this big atlas? Like, oh, my word, no way. Or think about how you would act and function without just text messaging and communication. And think about how much that would change your life. And when we think about not having those things, or maybe try going without those things, I think it makes us a lot more appreciative and grateful. And let me tell you, if we can learn to be grateful for technology and its benefits rather than feeling entitled to them, it will change us. And we will be a lot more likely to see it as a good gift from God and not make it into a counterfeit God. Not make it into an idol. Not make it into something larger than it's supposed to be. And giving thanks to God in all things and for all things, that, that's something that should characterize followers of Jesus, plain and simple. Giving thanks to God in all things and for all things should characterize followers of Jesus. Um, because we, more than anyone else, should know how blessed we are by the love of our Father, um, by the sacrifice of our Savior, and by the power of our Spirit that's inside us now. And, and so 
Romans 121, I think, comes to mind again right there, where it says, um, for although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. This is talking about idolaters here. Um, the Jewish reader would be like, yeah, talk about those Gentile pagans. And then, of course, Paul like punches them in the face in Romans 2. But here he is, he's saying they, they didn't honor him as God, they didn't give thanks. They didn't recognize or acknowledge that God had given every good gift. James 1 one seventeen says, every good and perfect gift comes from above. And technology, like I said, is a good gift. We have to keep it in its rightful place. So first one is be thankful. Be thankful for it. Um, but the second one is to use technology for the good of your own heart, but also to be a blessing to others. Um, take time to consider what you actually are using technology for. <laughs> um, when, when we're using it, if we actually think about it, I think a lot of times we'd have to admit, you know, this is not even beneficial to myself. Like think about when we're, we're looking at um, something someone else has, they're po- posting their highlight reel and we're thinking about our, our fail <laughs> videos over here um, in life, but they're posting their highlight reel and, they, and it can kind of discontentment starts to well up in us, covetousness, man, I wish they don't deserve that. I should have that. And if we, we take time to consider how social media or, or technology can do that to us, we realize Gosh, this isn't, even, this isn't even a good thing for me in my own heart. Um, but we need to think about those things. Is it even good for you? Is it good for others? Things that you're posting, are, you, are they uplifting to other people? Ephesians 4.29 tells us that our speech um, should be uplifting, should be uplifting to the ones that hear it. Um, and I think that goes for the way we use technology and text um, communication as well. All the things we're doing, are they, are they good? And, and most importantly, when we consider these things, is it honoring to God in the life that he has called you to? Are the things that we're doing, are they, are the way that we're using our time, the amount of time, the thing? I mean, and that's not, I'm not, again, I'm not saying don't have fun. You, you need to delete all your games off of your phone because you waste too much time. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying, though, is the way that we spend our time, is the way that, or the way that we use technology, is it, is it honoring to God in any way? Um, because that, that should be forefront of our minds um, if we're truly worshiping him as God and not something else as God. So thirdly, um, first one is be thankful. Um, secondly is use it for the good of yourself and for others. And then thirdly, be master of the technology you use, not mastered by it. <laughs> you be the master of it, not mastered by it. And again, that goes back to the whole thing. When it, it's beck and call, it dings, we run to it. Um, like Pavlov's dogs, the, the, the little bell rings and they start salivating. I mean, <laughs> if I'm honest, there's sometimes that I'm not eating different than dang dogs. Like, I'm just like them. I'm running my phone. What is it? What is it? Uh, especially if I'm expecting a text message or if I'm expecting some type of um, notification. It, it's bad. Um, but if your phone is your default or what you depend on most, and you kind of feel um, just completely lost without it, um, then maybe you need to consider removing it or some aspect of it from your life. And I'm not saying, you know, that that's a permanent thing. Maybe it should be. That's, that's between you and God. Um, but maybe turning it on airplane mode during certain times of the day isn't a bad idea for you when you're most tempted to go and just mindlessly waste time on it or when you're wanting to um you're you're waiting to hear about something or you want to make a post you're wanting to check notifications on a post that you made or whatever maybe that's not a bad idea especially like times when you're driving um just throwing that out there um but 
maybe turning off notifications uh, for some of your apps is a good thing. Um, that's something that I had to do because I had so many different notifications. It was I, I was just like overwhelmed, and it was about the time that I read Counterfeit Gods. It's like, man, my my phone is like totally taking up way too much of my focus um, and taking me my focus off of what um, really matters. So I got it for a while. The only notifications that pop up on my phone were texts and call, texts and calls. Everything else, um, I was like, it can wait um, until, I, until I check it. And that, that's been a great thing for me. That may not be the right thing for you, but it, it was a great thing for me. Um, and maybe even removing certain apps or certain games for your phone that consume all your time. Uh, again, I'm not going to tell you what you need to do, but these are just things that maybe we should need to consider how it is. You know, Jesus says your right arm calls you to sin, cut it off. Um, and I think y'all covered that probably uh, a week or two ago, maybe, maybe last week. Whenever it was, though, um, you know, we need to remove these sometimes so that we can refocus on where we need to be and so that we can redeem these things. So, again, we want to redeem technology. Um, so how, how can we do that? Again, going back to the first two, using it, um, being thankful for it and using it for the good of others and for yourself. The final thing I want us to, um, to look at um, in, in this, and, and well, let me, let me say one more thing. If you're, if you're not sure if your phone or some piece of technology that you have is consuming too much of your time and your, in your focus and everything, try, try going without it. And, and I promise you, if you see, man, I'm constantly going to like it, but I'm, I, I've told myself I'm not, that may show you how big of a part it plays in your life. And it may take something like that for you to be able to really see. Cause a lot of times, again, stuff creeps in and we don't realize, um, but see how many times you're tempted to look at it or use it if you give it up for a day. Um, keep up with it. Give it a little tie-in boxer on your arm or something. I don't know. Um, or think about how frustrated and inconvenienced you feel without it um, when you need to make a call, when you need um, to, to talk to someone through social media. Um, and then think about when you go um, to like use it to distract yourself from something or avoid something. Um, all those times. Keep a, keep a log just for a day, and, and that may reveal to you how prominent it is in your life. Um, if you're like, I don't know if I'm struggling with this or not, but maybe I am, um, that may be something you could do. But the place I want us to land tonight, and this is the, the kind of the fourth thing that I think we can do to redeem technology and resist idolizing it, is, is to remind yourself daily, remind yourself daily that only the Lord is worthy of your worship. <laughs> only the Lord is worthy of you giving him all of your attention all your affection, all your obedience, all your celebration. Um, you know, we, I, I, we didn't talk a whole lot about celebration tonight, but we, we talk about our phones and what we do on our phones, texting. We talk about social media. We talk about Snapchat stories. We talk about um, movies that are coming out or shows we're watching on Netflix and stuff like that. And in a sense, we're celebrating those things. And again, I'm not saying just because you talk about liking something, that means it's an idol and you need to go like burn your computer or anything like that. That's not what I'm saying. Um, but let's be a people who celebrate, above all things, the goodness of our God. And when we do these things, when we remind ourselves daily of God's goodness and his worthiness of our worship, which is really where that word worship comes in, worship. Um, what is it worth? What is something worth? The value placed on it. And, and God is, is so worthy. Um, and I don't think there's a person in this room that would disagree with that. He's far more worthy than anything. So going back once again to Romans 129, I'm sorry, 121. Um, For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. 
um, let's not be um, people with, with foolish and darkened hearts um, and allow technology or anything else to creep into our lives. Um, but let us be ones who know God, who give him thanks and remind ourselves daily that he is where our affection and our obedience and our celebration needs to be focused. So um, that's all I have for tonight. Let me pray and, uh, and we, will, we will be done for the evening.